Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We are starting a new series today called Life Hacks. It's a three-week series. Um, how many, I don't, we just lost all of our students, so there you go, but uh, how many have started, their, your kids have started back to school yet? How many have started back, yeah, so quite a few have started back to school already, and you know, we had the summer off, uh, cool, kind of cool, I mean, maybe not off, but we did other things in the summertime, and it was a lot of fun, and all of a sudden now, we're coming back to reality, and school starts, and routine comes back together, and, and so we felt like this was a great series for the next three weeks. Uh, entitled Life Hacks. And if you don't know what that terminology is all about, Life Hacks is a strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more effective way. So if you go home and you Google Life Hacks, you'll see all kinds of different things that you can do to maybe uh, create better space, to maybe to be able to shorten down time frame how you can do something. And we thought, how cool would it be to have a three-week series on about how we spiritually can get just in tune for this year and the school year and as, as families, as doing life together. Life groups, we're, we're, today we're going to be focusing on life groups. And it's a strategy that will help you discover greater fulfillment in everyday living. So out of this three-week series, this first week that we're talking about is life groups. Pastor Tom, what is life groups? I know about groups, but what's life groups? Well, we, just, we changed the name to, from groups to life groups. And the reason we did that is because everyone else is calling them life groups. No, that's not the only reason. I will say the reason we called it groups is because everyone else was calling it life groups. But we discovered, you know what? It is about doing life together. It just makes a lot of sense. And so we're, we're titling life groups. But how can life groups help your everyday life? I'm glad that you're asking that question because you're going to find that out today. Life groups will give you an opportunity to build godly relationships, develop a greater knowledge of God's word, and challenge you to put God's word into action. It's part of the whole idea of creating an environment to see what God can do through you. Corporate worship is important. When we gathered here to get together today on a Sunday, when we can worship together, there's something that's just as powerful as we gather together as believers worshiping together. There's something powerful when we serve together. There's something powerful when we hear God's word and we respond together to, to, to act upon God's word. But life, <coughs> life groups creates a smaller venue with a focus on developing a meaning conver conversation about spiritual growth. It's a place where healthy relationships can be developed. Life groups are formed thoughtfully, not just on accident. What do you mean, Pastor Tom? I believe that in life groups, there should be times where, as if you're a life group leader here today, where you see someone and you're going to invite them to your group because you're thinking, this person needs to be connected to our group. Or maybe you're here today and you know in your heart that I need greater community. I need to be connected to better to the body of Christ, and you need to be part of a group. I think it's done thoughtfully and not just by accident. For example, when Jesus formed his life group, did you know that Jesus had a life group? He did. He had a life group. He had 12 disciples. He was a part of a bigger corporation, a corporate worship. They said there was like 72 disciples or followers that would follow him. But there was a core group. It was really his life group. It was his 12 disciples. 
And he would go out and he'd say, come follow me. It was not by accident, it was thoughtfully. He invited them to do life together. When he saw Matthew sitting in the tax collector booth, and Matthew was a disciple, when he saw him sitting in the tax collector booth before he chose to follow Jesus, Jesus walked up and saw Matthew there collecting taxes. And I, you know, we, it's hard to grab this picture, but Jesus just looks at Matthew and says, come follow me. And Matthew leaves everything behind to go follow Jesus, to be a part of his life group. Follow me. Jesus' group didn't fit the norm. The Bible states that his group was filled with tax collectors and sinners. So many times as believers, we can get comfortable with people like us. I'm going to say it again because I don't think it hit everybody. So many times as believers, we can be comfortable with people like us, that think like us, that act like us. But what happens if God wants to take you out of people like you, and all of a sudden you can start impacting like other people that are around you? Life groups should include, see, when you read the Bible, Jesus has a life group that are full of tax collectors and fishermen and people that the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw as sinners. He was connecting them to them because he was seeing in them a desire for life change. I'm going to hit there for just a minute. If your life has become so complacent where you're in such a routine that you're not seeing life change anymore, man, I'm going to challenge you. You need to break your routine. You need to do something different with God. You need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to join a group or you need to be faithfully here. Every, you need to have change in your life. We should never become a place in our life where we become complacent with God. Our life should be changing. When these 12 people chose to follow Jesus, their life changed. Everything changed about them. For the disciples, many times it was during that small group setting with Jesus that greater truth and understanding was revealed. It was in the everyday living that their faith was challenged and it was strengthened. It was in the storm on a boat when all of a sudden they see someone walking out in the water and the disciples are together in their small group, they're talking and all of a sudden the storm raises up and, and they see someone walking and it's their leader, it's Jesus. And Jesus all of a sudden shouts out to, uh, to Peter and says, come. And Peter goes out and walks on water. You want to talk about challenging your faith? Try walking on water sometime. It was in the upper room while they were eating and drinking that Jesus demonstrated humility to his disciples. They were eating and drinking. And it was the last supper. And all of a sudden, Jesus all of a sudden grabs a towel. And he goes and he starts to wash the feet of his disciples. It was so challenging that Peter said, no, 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 you cannot wash my feet, Jesus. See, his faith was challenged. It was in a small, intimate setting that all of a sudden Peter grew in his relationship with Christ. It was in the house of Simon the leper that the disciples experienced a woman who was washing the feet of Jesus. If you remember the story, it was a story where all of a sudden she took the alabaster jar, and the alabaster jar was full of very expensive perfume. It says in the Bible that it was worth a year's wages. She broke that perfume bottle and started to wash the feet of Jesus. It was in that small group setting that all of a sudden the disciples 
all of a sudden had a challenge. Because all of a sudden they started looking at the value of the perfume and the waste. And they couldn't see that, you know what, it was more important to have their faith in God than their faith in possession. It was a learning lesson in that small group where their faith was challenged. So how can being involved in a smaller community, like, life, like a life group, bring greater fulfillment and satisfaction in my life? Let me give you, share some thoughts with you. The first thing is this. I encourage you to write these down. The first thing is a life group provides a place for real community. Many times at work or at school, um, the community we're involved in are focused on achieving corporate goals or achieving academic goals or whatever group that you might be a part of. But little time is, fo- is focused on life goals. If you think about it, we spend very little time sometimes on life goals. What do you mean, Pastor Tom? Who do I want to be as a person? You see, we can think about what I want to achieve in my corporate, you know, success of, of, of achieving corporation or whatever we're plugged into. We can, we can think about what we're trying to achieve in our academia where we were studying in college. We can think about, but who do you want to be as a person? What are the spiritual qualities that I want to develop in my life? At the end of my physical life, what have I hoped to have achieved? Those are life goals. They go beyond just our, our goals in jobs or our goals in academics or our goals in other things. These are life goals. A life group creates a smaller venue for real community. And I believe it helps you to understand greater life goals. I know it might sound scary to some of you. I'm an introvert by nature. If you don't know that, I am. I do great in a setting where I know people, but you put me in a setting where I don't know people. That, that introvert, that insecurity in me, whatever it is, that all of a sudden I just start to go like, I can't do this. And, and I look for Annette wherever she's at. I grew up because she's, a, she's an extrovert. She can do anything. She sees a group of strangers. She goes, party time. Me? Man, I, want to, I don't know what to do in that process. So for some of you, the idea of going into a small intimate group might be scary for you. But it could also be life-changing. If you want change in your life, I encourage you to join a life group. Many times we lose the intimacy of relationships when we just stay in a larger format. Some prefer to always remain in that larger format. They don't want that smaller intimate format. But smaller groups create greater opportunity for godly relationships to be developed in your life. We need one another. I'm going to say it again. We need one another. You might not realize that, but you do. And normally, you don't realize that you need other people until you come into a time of crisis. We need people in our lives. We need to be able to share our hurts. We need to know that other people are praying for us. We need the wisdom that comes from the intimacy of a smaller group. We need to create healthy places for people to find hope and help. You see, life groups is not just about you. So many times we attend something because how how is my life going to change? Which is good. It's important to think that direction. How am I going to enter into this group and how is God going to impact my life here? But maybe God is going to put you in a life group so that you can impact someone else's life. See, it's not just about you. It's about others. Love God, love others. A life group can can fulfill that need for real community. The apostle Paul writes these words in Galatians 6.2. 
He says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Thank why you know what I'm so proud of you guys right now. Yeah, loving others, loving God. It was when Jesus said, you know, what are the greatest commandments? He said, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others as yourself. Those are the greatest commandments. So that's the law of Christ, is when we love others. We're not called to walk alone, we're called to help one another. That is the law, that is the law of Christ. We, Annette and I experienced this firsthand this year, earlier in the year in January. We experienced what real love, real community looks like. We flew up into Seattle in January because some dear friends of ours were in need. Um, our friends, Paul and Debbie Anderson, they live in, uh, up in Lake Stevens, Washington. We've been friends with them for probably 25 plus years. And we found out Debbie's a diabetic. And we found out that she all of a sudden got a sore on her foot and it got infected. And Paul was calling me. He was talking with me and he's... He was sharing, it was really getting to a serious point, and all of a sudden, I, I just made the decision to fly up to Seattle to go be with my friend. And Debbie ended up, when she was in the hospital, because of it was being life-threatening, they ended up having to amputate part of her leg. So they basically took off her leg about from the calf down because of her foot being infected, and the infection was going to kill her. So she had to lose that leg. Now, Paul, when we got there, we were there just to comfort them, to love on them, to just be an encouragement to them because we've been lifelong friends. But what was amazing to me was when Debbie was in that hospital, see, Paul and Debbie have been life group leaders for over 10 years. They were actually our Sunday school leaders back in the day 25 years ago before it was called groups. It was called Sunday school, okay? Same thing, just doing groups together. We just changed the names just to confuse people. That's all we do. But Paul and Debbie were life group leaders for years. And when Debbie was in that hospital, she found out what real community was all about. We got to the hospital. Her, her room looked like a floral shop. You know what I'm saying? You, there was hardly any room. There were so many flowers in her room. We were actually taking flowers out of the room and taking them to home because there were so many flowers in her room. People were stopping by and loving them and praying with them. And, and, doing, and I started looking at what this was. And I thought, this is an example of doing life together. It's an example of pouring out your life into others. And when that time is needed, all of a sudden, God will return it back to a hundred times fold. Because you're given of yourself. And all of a sudden, when they saw the need that Paul and Debbie were going through, people, and this was all their life group people that they had touched through the years. They started coming out. They started to pray with Debbie. It was a long recovery. After Debbie had had her foot or leg taken off there. She had to go home and she had to, you know, wait for the healing process. And then she had to be fitted for a prosthetic. And then she had to learn how to walk again. It was like a six to nine month process. You know who was with them during that process? Their life groups. They'd bring food over, dinners over. They would, they would take the time and the, all the ladies in that life group, they had scheduled a plan to, where they could take Debbie to the hospital and to the doctor, to grocery shopping. They started taking turns every week to come and clean the house. I mean, it was an amazing example of what God can do when we do life together. Isn't it? I, I think that was just amazing in that whole process. Doing life together. 
Paul and Debbie discovered that they were part of a real faith-filled community who loved them. And we need to be about helping and loving one another. This is how we fulfill the law of Christ. It's difficult to love one another when we're locked up in our houses. Preaching to myself. It's difficult to love one another when you just go home and lock yourself away in your house. We need to be about others. Second thing, a life group brings accountability in your life. How many need accountability in your life? Oh, good. So there's some honest people in there. Yeah, we all need accountability in our life. Sunday morning attendance is great, but it doesn't necessarily provide accountability. When you develop deeper friendships through groups or in whatever format that you have deeper Christian friendships, all of a sudden you can become more transparent and more accountable to others. Not in a weird way. Don't, don't think that we're all going to go out there and just dump all dirty laundry in a pile. No, but in a positive way. Listen to these words in Hebrews chapter 3. It states these words. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Evil and unbelieving. Interesting choice of words put together. Turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin. Now, the interesting thing about this scripture is that it shows us that we need accountability. We need people who will speak truth into our lives. But notice that the author is not writing to non-believers. He's not writing to people who don't know Christ. He's writing to people who know Christ, to believers. He's writing them. He's warning them not to drift away from the truth. It's interesting that in this scripture, unbelief is equated with evil. I don't think most of us would ever equate unbelief and evil together. I don't think we put them together. But in God's eyes, unbelief is a form of rebellion against him. Now, I'm not speaking about doubt. If you're a sincere Christian following after Christ and you have times of doubt, I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about unbelief. Pastor Tom, what's the difference? I believe unbelief is the unforgivable sin. Boy, it's so quiet in this place today. Why do you mean that, Pastor Tom? Because it is impossible to please God without faith. And see, if you want to have a relationship with God, you need to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ. You need to have faith that Jesus came from heaven to earth, died on the cross for your sins, and his grace is there to cover your sins. You see, grace will cover all of your sins. But it can't cover unbelief. How can it cover if you don't have faith in Jesus? That's why it's the unpardonable sin. That's why you cannot enter into the kingdom of God if you don't have faith. How many need faith around here today? Come on, we need greater faith. Paul is warning, or whoever is the author of Hebrews. So many times I say Paul because I think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but I don't know that for sure. But I like his writings, and I like Paul's writings. I equate them together. But he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers who say, be cautious, be aware. Don't be led astray in unbelief. You see, so many times we think that, ah, we got this thing. You know, I've been serving God for so long. There's nothing that's going to interfere. I just, no, we need to continue to draw together 
in belief together, to pray for one another together, to have friendships together, to hold one another accountable. We need one another. I've watched many people through the years whose hearts have grown cold because of unbelief. A life group can be an opportunity to bring loving accountability into your life. I'm not saying that a life group is a place where you can all of a sudden hang out all your dirty long laundry, but it is a place where you can build Christ Christian relationships, and through those relationships, accountability grows. Proverbs 13:20 says, "Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble." I love Proverbs. It just states it as it is. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. See, small group is just walking with other Christians that are, that, are, that are going after God. It's a choosing to walk with the wise. But so many times what happens, we all of a sudden start to grab a hold of people, and we need to be out there loving people. But we cannot be the ones that all of a sudden we start giving ourselves over to them. And all of a sudden, unbelief starts to enter into our lives. We need Christian accountability. We need to be a part of the bigger picture of life groups in our lives. The third thing, a life group creates an environment for greater spiritual growth. It really gives us an opportunity for personal discovery. In the small group format, you can discuss, ask questions, be vulnerable if you choose. Proverbs 27 17, and you know what? I just, poof, this just hit me. I just need to throw this out. You need to be vulnerable. I'm going to just share this. I'm going I'm to do all of you group leaders that are here. How many group leaders do we have here today? Raise your hand real high if you're a group leader. Come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to do you a favor right here, right off the spot. I'm just going to lay some groundwork out. If, if you have a life group leader and they're leading a group and all of a sudden a, a new person is in that group and all of a sudden they start to be vulnerable, and they start to share some real things. The last thing that life group leader needs is someone that's going to condemn what they're saying. All of a sudden, it's someone that's going to judge all of a sudden a person saying things. You want to kill a life group? That's what will kill a life group. Oh, man, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's not against God. And you start, they don't need to hear that at that point. They need to be loved and cared for and encouraged. If you're part of a life group and you're bringing that life group down, wrong for you. Life group. Not death group, life group. I've been a part of death groups. I'm just being honest. You can't do this. You can't do this. Why, why are we doing that? I don't like how that sounds. Like. Like Stop it. It says to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to lift one another up. Now, I'm not saying that ever happens to any of our groups. I'm just talking about other churches in other places, okay? Not our groups. Life groups. Encouraging one another. Okay. Off of my... Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Love that scripture. Just being in community with others as you discuss and share God's word will bring opportunity for personal growth. You will see insights in scripture that you may, maybe have never seen before. I've led, I've led small groups for so many years. We've had, we've had small groups in our homes and our churches. And I'm always amazed, as the leader of a small group, 
How many times all of a sudden I'm sharing a scripture, we're sharing a thought, and someone brings up an idea or illustration in their life that transforms my thinking. All of a sudden that scripture doesn't change meaning, it just comes to life for me. Because someone else has a different perception. They have a different venue on that. They say, this is what happened to me. I thought, oh my goodness. I walk away encouraged. I walk away with a new perception of that scripture, how it can affect your life. And that comes not by doing life alone. It comes by doing life together. It's what helps us understand scripture in a greater way. Sometimes it's good to wrestle with the meaning of scripture because it, because it challenges you to dig. Catch that? Sometimes it's good to wrestle with the meaning of scripture because it causes you to dig. It's like an archaeologist that goes out there and they're digging. All of a sudden they find some kind of artifact or bone or whatever it might be. They don't just stop there. Why? Because they want to see the rest of it. They want to discover what they just have seen. What, what am I discovering of the greater meaning of it? What happens in our life when a scripture comes to life to us, all of a sudden it puts us in a place where we start digging deeper. We want to discover, what does that mean? We start doing further study of God's word. We get in our concordance. We get in the commentary. We start looking. Pastor Tom, you do all that? Yeah, but you guys can too. Because all of a sudden we want scripture to come alive to us even in a greater way. We start to dig. Many times in a life group you'll discover something that you have never seen before. And it will challenge you to dig deeper. A life group should create an environment of spiritual growth. Fourth thing. A life group helps me apply God's word to action. I love James's words where he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Those words ring through my head so many times. Don't just listen to God's word. Guess what? We need to do what it says. It's an opportunity to put your knowledge into action. It's like what I shared before. Paul and Debbie all of a sudden discovered what it was truly what it was like to bring word into action. In their life, they were recipients of word into action. When all of a sudden Debbie had her leg amputated, she found out, hey, she had a, gr a group of friends around her that they've been doing life together, and they were the ones that rallied around her and encouraged her. We need that for our church. We need to do life together. It's the way that we fulfill the law of Christ, to love your neighbor as yourself. Life groups can be an opportunity where you can serve together. What a great opportunity where you can get together as a small group and you can go feed the homeless. Or maybe you go do a community event. Or maybe you come and do one of our church events, but you do it as a life group. And then after you, after you work at the church all day or on a Saturday work day, you go out and have lunch with your group together because you're doing life together. There's lots of different ways that we can serve, but we can, we can serve together. Listen to this scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews eleven twenty four says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Isn't that good? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I'm here to declare to you today that I would love to see our life groups. And right now I'm the leader of life groups, so I can say this. I would love to see our life groups in their meetings discover different ways that you can serve the community, that you can serve others, that you can feed the homeless, that you can actually do something together besides just studying good work, good, the Bible, which is good, but what, what about putting the Bible into action? Oh, 
everyone's stepping on toes because it got really quiet there, and there's not a whole lot of amens. I'm not saying this, okay? Where's that scripture again that I just had on there? Can you put that back here? I'm not saying this. I'm, the author of Hebrews is telling you this right now. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, acts of love and good works. That's what we should do together, especially in a small group format. Don't just wait for the church. Man, Pastor Tom, I don't know what he's doing. We're not doing anything in this church. We, man, I don't know why we can't. Stop it. You are called by God. You are called by Christ. You don't need my permission to go and do good works. Oh, come on, somebody. That needed a better amen than that was getting because, you know what, that was good preaching right there. And I just want to say right now, Pastor Tom, man, that was a good word. Thank you for sharing that word, Pastor Tom. That was awesome. I needed to be motivated towards good works and towards good actions. Thank you, Pastor Tom. You're welcome so much. Thank you for speaking up. Amen. There is something great when we serve together. There's an energy. We were here yesterday, uh, four or five of us, and we, we've done some remodeling. You probably won't even tell what was remodeled. So that's the, that's the thing. It's like finding Waldo. Find out what changed in our worship center today, okay? There's, I can say there's three changes that happened. See if you can find them and come talk to me later on, okay? What are the three changes that have happened in the church? But we were working together, and we were cleaning up a huge mess, and we were putting all the state, but you know what? It was fun because we were working together. We were serving together. There's a natural energy that takes place when we do life together. Brings me to my last reason to be involved in a life group. A life group provides a place of encouragement. I believe every one of us need encouragement at times. Anybody need encouragement at times? I'm watching, okay. For any of those that didn't raise your hand, I'm not going to encourage you anymore. All of us at times need encouragement. We struggle with bad news at home or with a difficult day at work or maybe you just feel underappreciated. Maybe you're a mom or father and you just don't feel appreciated or maybe you don't feel appreciated at work or wherever it might be. And we just need encouragement. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We should be about one another. Lifting one another up. Joshua, a man of tremendous faith. How many know about the story of Joshua? You guys know about Joshua? Man of tremendous faith and power. It was Joshua and Caleb when they went through the, you know, when, the, when God parted the waters and Moses had his staff and, and he, the waters parted and they walked through the Red Sea and dry land and they got to the other side and all of a sudden the waters caved in and they buried all the Egyptian soldiers and now they're out in the desert and they're following a promise that God has a promised land for them and, and Moses sends out the 12 spies and they go into the land to discover what the land looked like and they bring home these fruit that are the size of, you know, are two, three times the size of what normal fruit is. They say, man, this, this, this land is flowing with milk and honey. It's exciting. And Joshua and Caleb were excited about the whole process, but then all of a sudden the 10 spies they were, they were kind of wet blankets. Well, yeah, yeah, that's all good, but man, you should see the size of these people. There's no way we're going to conquer this enemy. There's no way that we're going to be able to get into that promised land. And all of a sudden, unbelief took control of their thoughts. And they didn't do what God was asking them to do. They fell short. They stopped. It stopped everything. 
In fact, if you continue to read the scripture, you'll find out that those ten spies died by disease and different things that God put on them because of their unbelief. I was thinking about the story of Joshua, man of faith and courage. The 40 days that they were, they were out there spying on the land, God said, you'll wander the wilderness for 40 years. And none of you that are over the age of 20, guess what, that generation, you're not, you're not besides Joshua and Caleb, you're not going to see the promised land. Because of one thing, unbelief. And I started thinking about Joshua, man full of faith. But 40 years later, when he's called to step in and lead the people into the promised land, you will see that God speaks to Joshua. What does he say? Be strong and courageous. Then he says twice to Joshua. He says, I will not leave you, Joshua. I'm going to be with you through the whole process. Now, why would God tell him that? It must have been because he needed encouragement. In fact, Moses told Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. I was thinking about that story. I felt like God just gave me a thought. You know, the longer you wander in the wilderness, sometimes the more your faith just happens to weaken a little bit. See, they were supposed to, they were supposed to take the land 40 years prior. They did it. Joshua's been wandering around in the wilderness and desert. Now, he just needs a little encouragement. How many of you have been wandering around the desert? I've been there. And at times, all of a sudden, you just get, you feel weak. You feel like, man, I just don't know if I, this is Joshua, man, man of faith, a man in Hebrews 11, one of the pillars of the faith. Needed encouragement. You see, the small group, the life groups, they, they're designed to bring encouragement into your life. They're designed that those, during those times where you feel like, man, you're just in the desert. You know the promises of God. You know the, the dreams that God has given you. But, man, they're just not coming to fulfillment. I don't know why it's not happening. And you just need those people to stand beside you to say, hey, 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 hey. Mike, be strong and courageous. God will not leave you, and he will not forsake you. He is on your side. And guess what? I am too, and I'm going to be with you. And we're going to walk together. And we're going to believe God together. You don't have to do life alone. We can do life together. You see, that's what it is about life groups. Bringing life to one another through the very Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God lives in you. And you can impart words of encouragement and faith to other people. And you can lift them up when they need it. When all of a sudden Joshua is lifted up, guess what? He took hold of the promised land. He marched in there and the walls of Jericho fell down. And they entered in the promised land they've been waiting for so long. Because they had encouragement and the faith to step out and trust God. I'm going somewhere. I don't know why I'm going here. Some of you today have been struggling with faith, and you've been in a wilderness, and it's time to step out in faith. It's time to stop having unbelief run your life. You don't need unbelief running your life. You need faith. Unbelief will destroy you. You need to change your thinking. You need to be church every single Sunday. You need to hear God's word. You need to worship and praise God. In worship and praise, it can change everything in your life. You need to be a part of a group 
where all of a sudden a group of men, a group of women, a group of young marrieds, a group of young adults, whatever it might be, a group of seniors. Some of the toughest years are in your senior years. You're going through medical issues, difficulties, children problems. You know, problems with children don't end at age two, three, four, and five. They just keep going later on in life. And seniors need a body around them to encourage one another. Then my child is 40 years old and still not serving Christ. When is that promise going to be fulfilled? See, they need faith around each other. We do life together. But for some of you, you have been struggling with an issue. I don't know. I just feel like it's just so on me right now. Not, not prepared. You've been struggling with stuff. You're not, you can't break free from it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just insecurity. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's just feeling unloved. And God is saying now is the time to break that. Now is the time you need to be strong and courageous. And you need to break free from those things that, that the enemy is trying to hold you back from. You don't need to wander in the wilderness any longer. You need to take charge by the Spirit of God and walk into the destiny that God has for your life. You need to do it. Boy, I thought I was going to hear a lot more amen than that. That's all I got. I just feel like I need to make this call. Just, I feel I can't, but not, I wasn't going to do it, but I just feel like God's telling me to do it. God, listen to God. God, listen to the Spirit of God. If you're here today, and that word just spoke to you, and you know it's you, and you need to overcome some things, whatever it might be, and man, doubt and unbelief have been nagging you, and you just... I need you to stand right now because I need to see there's a spirit of faith right now in this house that's going to set you free from certain things that you've been struggling with. Stand right now. Don't miss out on this opportunity. There's a time where all of a sudden the spirit of God starts to move. And all of a sudden you just need something in your life. Come on down to the front. I just feel it, guys. I'm just feeling it. I feel like God's going to break free certain things in people's lives that they've been struggling with for a long time and God's going to break you free today because there's a spirit of faith in the house God's going to do a miracle today do you believe it? can you believe it? this is what happens when you respond to what God's going to do in your life in faith this is what takes place I know I know it looks like maybe it's impossible I know you're thinking, man, there's no way it can happen. But I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, those things that are impossible, we serve a God that can do the impossible. We don't do it through our own strength. We do it through faith. And no longer I want you to, I don't want unbelief to lead you. Unbelief can lead you. It can lead you in darkness. It can lead you away from God. It can lead you a different direction that God never want, intended for you to be at. But all of a sudden, when we are willing to take the bull by the horns and say, no, I'm going to stop this. This is no longer happening. And I'm going to have my faith in God and God alone. And for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And you start taking charge. And things start to set free. But it's hard. I get it, guys. 
It's hard when you're in the middle of the wilderness. It just doesn't look hopeful. But I'm here to declare to you today. And we prayed this morning. All the people that volunteered, they, we came here and we walked through the pews. We prayed over people. We prayed over what our expectations was going to happen. Did we not pray this morning? We prayed this morning. We prayed that people were going to be set free today. I felt it in my spirit when I got here today. Something good is going to happen. God is here to set you free. Let me just say a prayer. And you're stepping up here today. It's a symbol of your faith, God, or your faith in God. That you're not going to choose to let the enemy direct you anymore. You're going to choose to be at church. You're going to choose to be part of a group, whatever that group looks like. If it's in this church, if it's somewhere else, get a part of a Christian group. That people can pour into your life. And God's going to make a difference. Lord Jesus, right now, you see every person that's here today. If you're in the audience right now, I want you to stretch your hands forth. You see every person here today. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, you set free. Lord God, that you break unbelief, Lord God, in Jesus' name. That faith would arise in Jesus' name. That hope would come alive in Jesus' name. That doubts, Lord God, would fade away. And belief, Lord God, would come stronger. Lord God, those things that you, that they might see as impossible. Lord God, you will make it possible in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray right now, Lord God, the freshness, the love of Jesus would pour out in Jesus' name. That you would pour out your spirit in Jesus' name, Lord God. More of you and less of ourselves, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Your love, Lord God, would just, Lord God, flow through each and every person. Faith would arise in Jesus' name. Unbelievable, Lord God, would be, would be set free out of their lives in faith, Lord God. Faith in Jesus' name. More of you than ever before, Lord God. Don't be complacent. Don't be settled, Lord God. You're going to be set free, Lord God, from complacency. From doubt, Lord God, from this word, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord God, in the lives of people. And we pray a blessing in Jesus' name, Lord God. Faith, more faith, more faith, more faith in Jesus' name. More faith, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Unbelief. Unbelief. Get out of our lives in Jesus' name. Unbelief. Go in Jesus' name. Faith arise in Jesus' name. Unbelief. Go in Jesus' name. Faith arise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.